Hello, this is the Contractor Coffee Club podcast presented by EGIA, and I'm your host, Mark Madison. This podcast is hosted on egia.org slash podcast, where you can also find links to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, along with an archive of all previous episodes, a submission form for our listener Q&A, and the link to take the latest EGI snapshot survey. In today's episode, we have the privilege of interviewing Mr. Ryan Comback from Johnstone Supply in Fresno. Ryan, how are you? Doing great, Mark. Doing great. Ah, well, first of all, we really appreciate you making the time to do this. You're one of my favorite people in the world, so that uh, I'm a little biased. So having gotten that out of the way, we'll just get started if we could. That sounds awesome. Well, for our listeners, tell us how you got started in the, in the distribution business. You got it. Would it be okay if I started before I got started? I think so. Yeah, let's all go right, way fair back. Enough. Let's go way you back. Would... Go way back in the time machine because I'm an SOB, which is a son of the boss. So I think it's only fair to go back before me and then I'll, then I'll insert myself into that story. Okay. And let's go all the way back to how many pounds were you when you were born? <laughs> oh, not that far? No, okay. no, no. We're going to go back. Yeah, we're not going to go back that far. We don't need okay. that level. Of, we don't need that level of detail. We don't need that level of, uh, of tabloid detail. Uh, and the reason I wanted to go back is, is my mom and dad were heating and air, con- air, air conditioning contractors in Mesa, Arizona, back in the late 70s and the early 80s. And they realized which is a testament to their brilliance, one of the best decisions they ever made. They woke up one day and realized that this wasn't the path for them for the future. The success of their business, which a lot of contractors can relate to, was entirely dependent on my dad's physical manual labor. They had employees working for them, but the profitability and the success of their contracting business was based on him working long hours in the Arizona heat on rooftops for the nine months that is the Arizona summer. So there was a couple of issues with that right? One, he never saw his family and that wasn't sustainable. And two, frankly, that was going to kill him, right? There's a limited lifetime to that. So they started looking at other business options, uh, pool halls, laundromats, car washes, all all kinds of interesting and crazy things that I'm really glad they didn't get into. And my mom heard about something that was just starting up at the time called Johnstone Supply. Johnstone Supply at that time was in 1984 was just becoming a co-op. And so there were opportunities to open locations as part of this co-op or very similar to a franchise structure. She found out about that. She kept that close to her vest for a couple of days so she could get a few things in order in our, in our household because she knew that the minute my dad heard about it, it would be a full steam ahead, no turning back. This is what we're going to do. <laughs> he was looking for an out. He was, he was looking for an out. And in their relationship and in their business relationship, he's, he's the driver and she's, we always joke that she's the, she's the anchor and she's the detail person. So she, she knew she needed to get the details together because he was just going to drive forward. And sure enough, he did. And they contacted the Johnstone Supply corporate office at the time and uh, were given a couple of options for store locations, one of which was beautiful Fresno, California. So they packed us kids up, my brother and I, and moved us in 1984 to open their first Johnstone store here in Fresno. They were undercapitalized, underfunded, but they managed to scrape it together just through sweat and toil and and hard work in the early years and create something for my brother and I. And that was part of my parents' dream is they wanted to, if 
my brother and I wanted to participate. They wanted to have a business that, that we could participate in, in the long run. Right. So you're a true SOB, son of the boss. True SOB, son of the boss. And like many SOBs that I've talked to growing up as a kid and then throughout high school and throughout college, I said two things. I said, I'll never live in Fresno. (laughs) (laughs) As I look out the window in Fresno, California right now. And I will never work in the family business. I will never work in the family business. So here I am. I've been working in working in the family business since 1999. No, 2000. I take that back. It was it was the millennial uh, millennial year. It was 2000. I ended up joining the family uh, business and have been growing myself in the business ever since. That's so I think awesome. I I actually forgot. Was that was your original question? How did I get into this? Yeah, and you okay. answered it with uh, there with we a go. Plum, so I appreciate that. <laughs> now your now your brother Michael's involved in the business as well. He is. He is. Yep. We were, we, uh, we're partners in the business that, together. Yeah. How does that work? I mean, how does it work as in, does it work? Right. <laughs> you know, I've, and I'm sure, I'm sure Mark, you've seen a lot of family businesses. It's, it's, it's fun and it's challenging. And I can say that I'm very, very fortunate in terms of a family business that my brother and I work really well together. Yeah, um, I can, I can attest to that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We get along really well. And there's not a lot of the issues that, that I think people see when they look at dysfunctional types of, of family businesses. No, we work really well. He runs the operations and finance side of the business, and I run the sales and the marketing side of the business. I mean, really, I'm the outward, outward face to our customers, to our suppliers, to the world. And then he's, I always like to joke, he's the, he's the guy that's actually running the, the, the business, right? He's running all the, the internal stuff that takes care of our customers on the day-to-day. Right, and it works. And it works well to split it up that way. It works well for us. That's awesome. It works you uh, really well. You guys seem to have a great culture there. Tell me, tell me a little bit about how you kind of created the culture that you have. Because uh, my yeah, observation yeah, yeah, yeah. is, you have these incredible relationships with your dealers, mm-hmm. and you've got a real solid team internally. That didn't just happen. You know, what did you do to create that? You know, one of the things, and there's, there's obviously, there's a lot of things, and yeah, culture, culture is huge. That's that's we talk about culture all the time, which maybe that's why we have the culture we have in our company. Is that's the true competitive differentiator in the marketplace? Is your is your culture? Some companies have vision statements, value statements, and those are pieces of paper or posters on a wall, and nobody knows what those are. Nobody knows what those mean. And we've been talking particularly about our vision as a company and what it is we do, why we exist for years and years and years. And, it, and it's really simple. It's really, really simple is we want to be the partner of choice for the premier uh, heating and air conditioning professionals. And we do that by making it easier for them to do business. So we talk about that in every meeting that we've got. And we pull examples from the team of what have you done today? What have you done this week that made it easier for one of our clients and one of our customers to, to do business? And that can take, as I'm sure you can imagine, that can take a myriad, a myriad of forms in terms of things we can do to make it easier for them to run their business and to, for our customers to be successful. We recognize and we talk to our team and with our team all the time. As a distributor, as a supplier, we only win, we only win when our dealers win. We only win when our customers win. And we've been right. talking about that for years, for years. We need to do whatever it is to help them to be successful and help them be profitable. And in turn, that'll help us to win. So 
yeah, that's, that's, I guess that's part of how we've formed our culture. Obviously a culture is made up of all the people in the culture. So it's, and we've been getting better and better. And in fact, in the last couple of months, we've been talking about this, you know, Jim Collins, it's all about getting the right people on the bus. Right. And we've been, been building that, that team up over, over time, getting and getting the right people on the bus. And in fact, a couple months ago, we sat down and defined what those, the right people look like. And that's our core, what our core values look like. So whenever we hire people, whenever we evaluate people, we go back to our culture, our core values. Are you living up to or exceeding what it is that, that we are and want to be as a company? Right. Well, you know, back to Jim Collins quote, you know, where's the bus going? Who's on the bus? And are they in the right seat on the bus? Exactly. I think you guys do a real good job of all three of those. Mm-hmm. Great. Absolutely. We are. So what, what do your dealers uh, come to rely on you for? Tell me, tell us a little bit about the value proposition. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a lot of things that they come to re- re- rely on us for. Uh, let me, let me start with one big piece of that. And, and we put it all under one umbrella that we would call productivity solutions. And what that means is that's all about getting the materials they need at the right place at the right time as most efficiently as, as possible. And you know, that can take, we've got a, a half a dozen or 10 different major programs that all fall under productivity solutions. You know, it might be install bins or install kits that have all the materials they need for a job in one bin or one kit, programs that help to replenish their service trucks every day or every night. Possibly it's stockroom programs if, if the contractor still wants to maintain a stockroom to help automate and, and make those things more efficient. That's that's a big piece. Uh, that's that's obviously a big piece of our our value proposition. What I'm really hearing loud and clear is creative service. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's it's custom. I guess that's why when you you talk about our value proposition, it it depends on the it depends on the dealer. We're gonna figure out what we need to do to help them to be successful. And maybe that's something we've already got out of the box, or maybe we've got to get creative and custom tailor something for that dealer. One of my territory managers right now is working with a dealer and helping that dealer to build his cookbook retail price book so that he's got a very professional presentation in the home and, and also that it, that it simplifies his sales process, that he can more quickly uh, present and quote and then ideally close, the, close that sale and, and, and get, the, get the job done for the, for the homeowner. So for your dealers, it's either written a shorter letter if I have more time? It's taking a complex topic and simplifying it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Hmm. Well, and I'm hearing loud and clear, what you do for a $5 million company is different than what you do with a, maybe a one man shop is doing a half a million. Absolutely. They have, I mean, they have, yeah, they all have different, they have different needs at different levels of development in terms of the, the, the types of assistance, the types of assistance they need. Your TMs are really coaches, aren't they? They develop breakthrough relationships and they provide solutions and support and a sounding board. Yeah, we like to think of them more as as uh, business coaches. They're not. Uh, I don't like to think of them in in terms of of salespeople. Um, yeah, their their job is to help uh, is to help grow their their dealer base to help help their dealer base achieve whatever their their goals are. Um, at the beginning of every year, my territory managers sit down with with their dealers and ask, what are your goals for this year? What do you want to achieve? You know, what would that mean to you if you were able to achieve that? And then, okay, let's figure out how we can help you to, to get there. 
or help to provide you the, the, the tools and the training and the resources that you might need that you might need to get there. I love that question. What's it going to mean to you? And I like to ask it in two categories. What does it mean to you personally as the owner? Yep. And what's it going to mean for your employees? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's such a great question because once they answer that question, then they're telling you what the value proposition is. They're telling you, this is what I need to be successful. And then Absolutely. your job is to deliver that. Yeah. It, it gives us a very, a, a very clear roadmap of where to, where to go for the next, for the next 12 months. Now you have more than one location. Yes, we've currently got five locations, uh, primarily throughout Central California. Um, so Merced and Fresno, Visalia and Bakersfield, those are all right in the center of, of California, right up and down the 99 freeway. And then our fifth location is towards the coast near Monterey, California, and that is in Salinas. That's in Salinas, California. So do you spend a lot of time on the road? I do. I do. Uh, and I'm very fortunate that I have a great, obviously a great team that's working with me um, between my territory managers and my branch managers and uh, our, our operations manager who oversees all five of our stores. Um, I don't necessarily have to spend as much time on the road as I, as I have in the past. Uh, we've, we've really developed a, a good team, a really great team. Now, in the past, you had one in Appleton, Wisconsin. How did that happen? Yeah, Appleton, Wisconsin. So going back to that. <laughs> That's about as far away from Central California. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it is. It is. So going back to that never wanting to work in the family business story, right? Is right. I joined in, in 2000 and there was a, I, actually when I started in the business, I didn't even really, I wouldn't even say I joined the business. I needed, I needed to make some money. I was fresh out of college fresh out of traveling around the world and landed back home and like a young person typically is trying to do figure figure out what am I going to do with the rest of my life and needed some money uh, for living expenses and so I started working at the store here in Fresno just to make some money and had numerous numerous conversations with my mom and dad just you know around lots of things uh, in terms of my life and the future and, and they obviously did their I give them a lot of credit. They never, they never pushed or tried to influence in a negative way my brother and I to join the business. There was never any pressure that way. It was just like, hey, here's an opportunity. This is what it looks like. If you want to participate, we're happy to have you. And at that time, I had a couple of, couple of things going on. One, my brother, who we'd mentioned, he's older than I am by, by six years, had been in the business for, for longer than six years before I showed up. And I didn't want to be that Johnny come lately. Hey, uh, yeah, now it's my turn, big brother. Uh, you know, I want my piece of the action. I, I wanted to prove right. myself. And a lot of the not wanting to work in the family business was kind of surrounded again around this, this idea of, yeah, I want to make my own mark on the world. I want to prove myself. So, so that was the deal I made with my dad in those early days was let's look for an opportunity somewhere, uh, where I can kind of, I can prove myself maybe separate from this existing business and that opportunity presented itself in Appleton, Wisconsin. There was a Johnstone store in Appleton, and I think it had been open six, seven years, something like that. And it's one of the very, very few, less than a handful examples of a Johnstone store that has not been successful. The model is just really powerful behind Johnstone supply. And that store was not successful, and it ended up closing. And my dad knew the that owner and had 
heads up that it was going to close and was able to make a deal. And in February, actually uh, on February 14th, on Valentine's Day of 2002, my dad and I flew out to Wisconsin and I moved out to Wisconsin to take over and reopen that Appleton store. And um, yeah, that's, that's a little bit different than Fresno. Uh, it's probably still below freezing in Appleton right now. And it'll be 75 here in Fresno today. Uh, so yeah, I moved to Wisconsin, ran that store for four years. And then uh, another Johnstone group, Rick and Glennis Hole, who were from the, the, the Dakotas, uh, they made us an offer. We couldn't refuse to buy the store. And uh, my wife, Emma, and myself and our new daughter, Sophia, moved back to Fresno in 2006. So the prodigal son returned. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you just mentioned Rick and Glennis Hall, two of my favorite people. Are they about the nicest folks you'll ever get to meet? Yeah, Rick Rick and Glennis are, are amazing, and they are the, some of the nicest people you would ever meet. And um, that's that transaction where we sold the, the business to them there in Appleton was really my first interaction with, with Rick. And I considered him then and to this day uh, um, a mentor and a role model. Uh, for both Rick and Glennis, both personally and professionally. Yeah, they really embody what what a loving couple looks like, but at the same time, they're really savvy business people. So you're right. I mean, I was just there last week and working with them, and, uh, you know, what a joy to spend time with them. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I love Absolutely. watching how they interact. So that's a nice segue into the mentor question. So Rick was a mentor for you. Who else? Who've been your mentors over the years? <laughs> yeah, well, ironically, not ironically, we, I, I consider you one of my mentors, Mark. Um, so we'll say that. Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. I'm not sure that's allowed on, on a podcast like this, but yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. As a mentor and a role model, um, my, you know, my parents both have, have been mentors to me. My brother has been a mentor to me. Um, and there's numerous people within other people within the, the Johnstone ownership group and or, uh, community um, that at various times, I'm trying to think of who off the top of my head right now, nobody's coming to me, but just that's, that's one of the great, amazing things about Johnstone supply is all of these independent business people who have our own businesses and are doing our own thing, but we're also, we're also a community and a family that helps each other. So, if I need help, I've got people all over the country that I can call and reach out to for, for assistance and, and guidance. That's a that's a wonderful feeling, isn't it? To know you're not by yourself. It is. It is. Absolutely. And you, you do that with your dealers too. You create a culture where they, you know, having been out there and worked with you guys, you create a culture where dealers talk to each other and share ideas. There's kind of an abundance mentality in Fresno. We do. We do. And, and I think we've, had been building that, but there was, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. There was one pivotal moment that I think really drove that local culture for us. And that was three or four years ago, we hosted the first of what is now an annual event for us, which is our, what we call our coalition meeting. And I think the name says it all. It's a coalition of, of, of contractors. And right. we bring together all of our dealers from the Fresno area, all of our geography we also bring together dealers from other Johnstone groups within California for between one and a half to three days. 
uh, in the spring every year to, to do exactly that, share best practices with each other. Um, we, we bring in speakers, we bring in people like yourself, uh, we bring in trainers, and those, those things are all amazing and great. But I'll tell you what, from the first time we hosted one of these events, we figured out that the number one biggest value of that event was not the speakers, was not the training. It was the time that all of those dealers and all those contractors spent networking and sharing war stories, best practices, asking each other questions in the hallway, at lunch, at breakfast, at dinner, at the bar. That, that experience is invaluable. And it's incredible because these are, these are people that may be competitors. They may be working in the same town, right. um, but we, you know, we go away somewhere else and we bring in a lot of new and different, different people. And, and we create an environment where I feel like, and I think, I think our, our dealers would agree that for the most part, everybody's very open and very willing to, to help each other out. Right. Yeah. And we did a panel discussion and I remember how lively that became as a result. That was a wonderful format for exchanging ideas. It is. It is a wonderful, wonderful format. And that that sets the tone for the for the whole meeting. That sets the tone for the well, whole meeting. And you brought up a great point. A lot of times the and I'd like to believe it's the speakers that make it up. But you're right. I think it's the conversations that you have at the break and at the socials at night and at breakfast in the morning, because what happens is. The questions emerge, uh, and they have a chance to think about, well, what do I need? What do I really need to learn and do differently? What do I need to stop doing? What do I need to start doing in order to take my business to the next level? And then that's the question that comes up. And, of course, everybody says, well, when I was at $2 million, this is what I did, and now we're at 5 and we had to create systems. And all of a sudden, they go into all the answers that this particular guy is looking for. And, exactly. man, that's, that's value added <laughs> And so I, I encourage every uh, contractor that's listening, make the most of your time at these kinds of events, because that breakfast meeting, the breaks, the lunch, the evening socials, that, that's where you're going to get some rock solid ideas. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I always stress that to everybody that participates in, in our coalition meeting, and, and I even put out a little challenge, and I've done this every time, and, and Mark, you, even, you, you might even remember this, it's it's uh, three by three. It's something I make my own team do if they go yeah. to a training or an event. Yeah. Um, and what are, you, what are the three new contacts you made, right? Three new people you met that are in some way going to be able to help you down the road. And then three new ideas. And I pushed it a little bit further because ideas are great. But really, what are three ideas that you're going to execute on in the next five days? Um, right. We've all been to conferences where we come back with, you know, a full composition book full of notes and, you know, PowerPoint decks that were given to us and literature and all of these things in the, in the minute, probably before you even get back, you get in the car and your phone's ringing and there's emails and you're trying to catch up and you got 246 emails to read um, and, and it's all lost. So it's, it's just narrow it down. Here's a one page. When you get back, here's, here's what you took away from the meeting and here's what, here's what you're going to do right now based on that information. Based get yourself a big whiteboard and put it on the board and hold yourself accountable. Who's going to do what by when? Yep, who's going to do what by when? Exactly. That's exactly. A great well, if it's true, what my late publisher, Charlie Jones, used to say, you'll be the same person in five years except for two things, books and people, people and books. Yep. Let me ask the second question to that equation. 
what books have you read? Because I know you're a voracious reader. <laughs> what the last couple of years that had the biggest impact on you and your business? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I am a voracious, voracious reader. The book that's had the most impact on our business is a book by Gino Wickman, sitting right here. The books that I've had an impact on on me or my business typically stay close at hand. Um, the, the rest of the books are, are out on a bookshelf in my office, and we have a very full bookshelf in our office. Um, I've I've got an Amazon habit, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, Gino Gino Wickman wrote a book called Traction, and it is it, it describes a system called Entrepreneurial Operating System, um, and this book. I read it just about a year ago was all of a sudden it brought everything else that I had read together. Uh, I brought good to great and five dysfunctions of a team and four disciplines of execution, a, a ton of great things that I'd read. And it brought the best parts of all of the, that writing and all of that research, brought it together. It simplified into one system, hence operating system that you could, you, that you can run your company by. And, it's, um, I, I'll tell you why this was so revolutionary for us. We started to implement some of these ideas on our own last spring and then realized that this was a good example of what we like to call easy say, hard do. <laughs> right. It, it sounds really simple, but it's hard to do and hard to implement. And so this last summer in August, we reached out and hired a professional uh EOS implementer who helps to implement implement this system within the company uh, or helps to coach you on implementing it. And, and, and it's a, it's a two year uh, ongoing process to get this uh, implemented and integrated a, across the company. But yeah, uh, that was an amazing, uh, as far as reading a book, book for me. The one thing I would say is if you're interested in this concept, don't start with traction. Um, traction is like the source material, uh, the textbook. Um, a lot of people struggle to get through it. Uh, they so they've written other books. The same group has written other books, and the the book to start with is called Get a Grip. Um, if you're interested in in EOS, so it's called Get a Grip, and it's it's told in fable format, just like Patrick Lencioni does. So it's a story about a company that's going through the the EOS implementation process. So it's a very, it's a very easy and understandable read and gives you a real great overview and concept of the system. So, I mean, that's when you talk about culture and systems for our company, that's the direction we've been going the last, the last six months. And, um, I'm, re I'm really excited about it. I am really, really excited about that. I have the book in my hand. Uh, okay. Patrick yeah. gave it to me. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, <laughs> It's on my shelf. I just haven't read it yet. So I guess I'm going to <laughs> push it to the top. Any others? There you go. There you go. Um, I'm thinking about others, others. Gosh, so many different things that I've read. On a personal level, and it, it's professional too, but it, it's not so much a company book, but a personal book. I read a book called Captivate by Vanessa Van Edwards. It's Captivate the Science of Succeeding with People. Uh, and it's, 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 in fact, it's interesting. It's a lot of stuff that, that you talk about in, in uh, some, of, some of your workshops, Mark. Um, 
but for a guy like me who's a natural introvert, uh, this was this book was 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 great, and it's kind of like a how-to guide on. It's kind of like Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People for the for the 21st Century. Just taking it to the yeah. next level. Yeah. Sure. So she must have read some of my books then. I think she might have. I yeah, think she might have. Yeah. That's okay. I don't <laughs> right? That's 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 an honor. <laughs> well, sure. I know your brother read. Uh, well, your brother lost a bunch of weight. I, I yeah. think it's okay to talk about that, right? Oh. <laughs> um. I've talked about it publicly for years in front of large audiences. So uh, at this point, the cat's out of the bag. Okay. So <laughs> when I was down there, I think I, I had everybody do the goal setting exercise and your brother set a goal to lose what, 50 or 60 pounds? I, you know, and I was just thinking about that. I can't remember the number, but we'll, we'll say it was at least 50 pounds. We'll sure. say it was at least 50 pounds. And, and, and I, yeah, you, you did the goal setting exercise. Um, he wrote it on a card that he kept in his wallet. You know, we're going back a couple of years. Right. And yeah, not only did he do it, he lost the weight. He completely changed his diet. He ran a marathon sometime in the last year. Yeah, it was about a year ago. I think he ran a marathon, you know, so he, so he had started running as a result of that. I think he did the exercise with you three years ago or so. and. It, it's it's pretty interesting because if you want to get my brother excited and passionate, you start talking to you start talking to him about nutrition and and diet because he's he's that's his passion now is he's read books and you know ketogenic and low carb and uh yeah he's 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 real really geeked out on that stuff in in a good way um it's pretty cool. Well, it's a major transformation for him. I was I was really pleasantly surprised at the last photograph I saw of him, and you know my memory of what he looked like and what he looks like now is like night and day. Oh so yeah, well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of his kids. This is a while back. Um, we were at a function or something, and she, uh, she walked up behind me, and from the from from the back, she she thought I was her dad. <laughs> uh, wow. Prior to him losing the weight, you know. Not trying to say anything negative, but that would not have happened prior to him losing. Sure, Let's just sure. Say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he's and he's proud of it, you know. Oh, and rightly he is, so. He's rightly proud of it. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. That's so great. Well, you know, it's such a small world. I, I remember having this conversation with you a few years ago, and mm -hmm. my son was coaching at Fresno Pacific. Colin was. Yep. And and I think Michael's son went to the camp. He did, yeah. My nephew Benjamin um, was in the the camp. I don't remember the the exact details, but it was one of those <laughs> crazy small world, crazy small world stories. And then somebody mentioned his last name, and and then someone said, I don't know, it was Christy or who it was, said, well, I have a friend in Laredo, and she talked about this kid Evan Madison. Are those guys related? And they go, yeah, she's brothers. <laughs> yeah, brothers. That, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> that was one of those. It's like what? What? How can it get any smaller? The world and. Uh, God, you know, when those kinds of things happen, it's just you just kind of smile, laugh, and say, "Wow, what a wonderful world!" Right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, so let me ask you this: What advice would you give contractors if you could give them one piece of advice? And I know that's a tough question, but if you can. No, actually, I, I I have this one. <laughs> um, I have this one. Uh, so, as with most things, there's a there's a there's a nice story behind this. So. I was hanging out, this is uh, like two summers ago, um, I was hanging out with my dad and he'd been retired and we were, we were actually going for a walk and I asked him, 
for some advice. I said, what, what do you, dad, what do you know now after having been in business for whatever, 40 plus years, you know, as first as a contractor and then as a Johnstone owner and looking back on that wealth of, of experiences and, and knowledge that you gained, what do you know now that you wished you'd known, wish you'd known before you went into business? And he, he, the, the the quickness with which he was able to answer that question was was shocking. Um, so obviously this is something he's thought about over his lifetime, and right. it stuck and it stuck with me. And it's advice for myself, and it's also advice for for our dealers and our contractors all over the place. And it's to and it's to recognize and to understand and to know your own value, the value that you bring to your customers, and to recognize what that value is, and don't be afraid to ask for what you're worth. Um, don't be afraid to ask what you're worth. He, and then he went on to say that if he had recognized his own value that he provided to his customers when he was a contractor, we may ne- we may never have needed to open the Johnstone. We may never he may never have gone down that path because right. he would have had more profit. He would have been able to buy new trucks for his guys with logos, new un- or un- give them uniforms, give them better benefits, and overall be a more successful contractor because of the, and it wasn't that he wasn't providing the value. It's, it was recognizing the value that he provided every day for his customers and, and, and charging and asking accordingly. And and we're not right. talking about asking for exorbitant amounts of money and anything like that. No, we're just just asking, yeah. recognizing what you're worth and asking for it accordingly. And I, I see this and I know you see it all the time, Mark, with, with, with our dealers, I see it. Uh, I see it all the time where they're not, where they're doing great things and they're providing an extremely high level of customer service for their customers. And they're doing things that, you know, if there's a mistake, they're fixing it. They're going above and beyond to make sure everything's right. And uh, they're not, and they're not making enough money. They're not making enough money at the end of the day. They're giving it away. Uh, We had one this week um, that one of my territory managers brought up and he said, you know, he was explaining to me, about the pricing that this co- contractor was using and whatever, and and he's and he's working with the contractor on this, but yeah, he's not he's not making anywhere near what he needs to make to keep the business profitable, to keep the business running, and it's important for for the for a contractor who's providing a quality service to be profitable because you want to be there to continue providing that service five years, ten years, twenty years, thirty years down the road for your for your customers. If you're not profitable. You know, uh, you're going to go out of business like so many contractors end up end up doing, and and we we don't like to see that. We don't like to see that at all. Would you agree? It's a self esteem issue. They don't believe they're worth it. <clears throat> it's a self worth, self esteem issue. Oh, absolutely. And our industry suffers from a low self esteem. You know, you can borrow money, you can't borrow self esteem. Yep, it's and yeah, it's a self esteem. It's a self esteem issue, and and. You know, uh, you know, Mark and I, you and I talk about this, uh, and I'll butcher the the, I'll butcher the quote, but it's you know, your thoughts become your beliefs, your beliefs become your actions, and your actions become your habits, and that becomes your reality, and that becomes your world, your future, your destiny. That's probably where it's supposed to go. But, but to, to dial that back, it goes to your beliefs. Everything right. starts with your beliefs, and 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 self-esteem is your beliefs. So if you believe in the value you're providing. If you believe in your self-worth and your company's worth, then everything flows from that. Absolutely. And that's, uh, yeah, that's like a fundamental 
core belief of mine is that everything, all of us uh, at a personal and a professional level, it all dials back into, into our beliefs and what's really going on at a really, really deep level. And, and yeah, we could sit here and psychoanalyze that for hours, but yeah, that's huge. I have, I have a little test I give contractors. I give them a heartfelt and sincere compliment based on an observation after spending <laughs> a few minutes with them. And then I wait to see how they respond. <laughs> and honest to goodness, Ryan, most of the time they don't say anything. And I said, let me repeat that. You know, your future's so bright, it burns my eyes, man. You're crushing you. You're crushing it. You're going to do really well. And they look at me like I have two heads. And I said, you know, all you have to say is thanks. Yep. Right. And that's my test. If you argue <laughs> with me or you don't say thank you, you got a self-esteem issue, brother. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, it happened yesterday. I complimented one of one of my team members and she said, oh, no, no, this and that and whatever. <laughs> and, right, somebody else on, and somebody else on the team said, just say thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Give you a compliment. Oh, it's OK. <laughs> yeah you you heard me tell that story in 1985 my wife said to me we're going to a seminar on self-esteem and i said i got all the self-esteem i need and she <laughs> said that my love is part of the problem be ready to go at 5 30. <laughs> the only problem with her plan was villanova was playing georgetown for the national championship and i said honey um this is before the vcr days so i said uh you go and take notes you know and i'll read your notes and she said be ready to go at 5 30. she gave me the look that only women can give you know the sidelong glance oh yeah so I complained all the way down there. And uh, and after about 10 minutes in the seminar, I realized this woman is really smart. Within 20 minutes, I'm taking notes. End of the two hours, I've taken 10 pages. And the one thing I took from that was when somebody says, you know, good job or gives you a compliment, just smile and say thank you. Let it feed your soul. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's that's an oversimplified way of agreeing with what you said earlier about, the you know, believing in yourself and believing that you have value. You know, it yep. starts with the contractor saying, I make my own future. I make my own thoughts and emotions and ideas. So may as well make it a good one, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, Lucas, to interrupt for just a second, tell us a little bit about the financing options. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Um, at EGIA, we've found time and again that the most successful contractors throughout the country all have one thing in common. They all offer financing options with every sale. Uh, it can be really confusing, though, time-consuming, navigating all of the financing solutions in the marketplace, and it can be costly for contractors to pick the wrong one for their company. So at EGIA, we've created the EGIA GeoSmart Financing Clearinghouse. We've cleared the way to help you pick the right program for your business. We've done the research, vetted the leading finance service offerings, and leveraged our national buying power to secure the best financing solutions possible. And we offer them to all our members to ensure they're able to give themselves and their customers the best deals possible. So these are these are financing rates and deals that, because of our, our group buying power, because of how many members we have, you simply can't get on your own as a you know, 5, 10, 20, 30, even 100-person organization. So to learn more about that, go to egia.org slash geosmart, G-E-O-S-M-A-R-T, or learn about EGIA membership at egia.org slash join. Mark? almost forgot. We've got something come up in September, don't we, with EGIA? We we do, yeah. Thank you, Mark. Um, we want to make sure everyone saves the date for EPIC 2018, this year's premier educational conference for the home services industry, uh, taking place September 27th and 28th with a really unforgettable welcome reception on the evening of the 26th, if you can make it. Uh, at the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas, this powerful new event starts with a welcome reception, complete with complimentary drinks and hors d'oeuvres. Moving into Thursday the 27th and Friday the 28th, the conference will feature EGIA Contractor University's renowned faculty of industry experts offering business-changing insights and breakout sessions 
along with the product exhibition, networking opportunities, unforgettable keynote presentations from special subject keynotes that include Connie Podesta, who's a, a behavior, human behavior expert, and Aaron Ralston, the guy who famously inspired the movie 127 Hours uh, with James Franco, Oscar-nominated movie. All contractors are welcome to attend, but premium EGI members will receive two complimentary registrations, plus members will receive one complimentary registration. Stay tuned to egia.org slash epic2018 for further details or to register now. Registration is now open, and make sure you save those dates, September 27th and 28th. Thanks, Lucas. Appreciate that. Ryan, you know, we're, we're almost out of time, so I, I, I guess uh, I would ask, do you have any questions for me? I've been doing all the asking. Oh, wow. I didn't know I would have that opportunity. Uh, yeah. Right? <laughs> a lot of pressure. I know. I know. A, a ton of pressure. A ton of pressure. Do I have any <laughs> questions? <laughs> oh, I, I got one. You know, um, this is a good one. And this is another uh, maybe something people can take away. Uh, always feedback is a gift. And, and I know you believe that, Mark. Feedback is a gift. Always ask for feedback. Always seek out feedback so you can get better. So if there was one, knowing what you know about me, Mark, what's one piece of feedback that you would give to me or, or to my business? What, what would make me even better as a person or better as a business than I, than I am today? Well, wow, what a great question. <clears throat> I, I would say uh, stay the course, you know, run mm -hmm. the race. This thing's a marathon, not a 50-yard dash. And the things mm -hmm. you're doing uh, are spot on. You, you get your dealers together on a regular basis. You invest time and resources into their training and education. You're a voracious reader, you're, you're a sponge. But I think, I think the defining quality for Ryan Kalmbach is you're teachable. And to me, the word humility and, and teachability are the same. You're a humble servant leader that genuinely cares about people. And I would say, you know, keep, keep doing that, stay teachable. I think that's the, to me, that's the hallmark of a great, of a great business person is that they're teachable. The last thing you wanna hear is, uh, that's not the way we do it around here. Or, mm -hmm. you know, I, I was in the club one day uh, working out with my son and uh, he gave me some advice on a bench press. And I, uh, and I thought, well, oh, that's really good advice. So when I got home that night, I wrote in my journal, I'm never too old to learn and they're never too young to teach. Mm. And so the, you know, the millennials coming into the business, we need to make the time mm -hmm. to listen to them. They have fresh ideas. They have um, new information. They have a different way of looking at things. And so staying teachable. Staying teachable. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> well, Ryan, thank you so much for carving out so much of your day uh, to, to share your ideas and insights with us. Uh, what a blessing. We really appreciate that, my friend. Thank you. No problem. Thank you for, for having me, Mark. Appreciate it. We'll make it a great day unless you have other plans. It's going to be an amazing day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. Thanks, Mark. That'll do it for today's episode. As always, visit EGA.org slash podcast to find this episode, an archive of previous episodes, the online form to submit your questions for our mailbag segment, links to subscribe to the podcast on Apple and Google Play app, and a link to the latest EGIA snapshot survey. For more information about EGIA membership, visit www.egia.org slash join. I'm Mark Madison. Thanks for letting me play in your sandbox. I'll see you next time. <laughs>